Good morning to each and every one of you. We're so glad that you're here. And for those of you joining us online, we're so glad that you found us. Uh, Whether you're a regular attender or whether somebody shared this and you saw it and clicked over to see what was going on at Linwood, we're really glad that you've joined us as well. And uh, as the introduction video kind of indicates, we're continuing a new series titled Don't Be Dumb. And we all do dumb things from time to time. We try not to make a habit of that. And uh, we find that God's Word is full of wisdom that can help us to not be dumb, to not do dumb things. And uh, last week we kicked things off with a series that, or with a message titled The Supremacy of Wisdom. And we looked at Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, and his words to, to instruct us that wisdom is supreme. And no matter what else we do, we want to get wisdom, even if it costs us everything we have. So we talked about the supremacy of wisdom, but we also talked about how wisdom is foundational and that we want to build our lives on that foundation of God's wisdom as we seek to ascend uh, in the heights of God's wisdom. And our big idea last week was that the wise are wise because they seek wisdom. It doesn't happen by accident. We looked at this story of Solomon at the very beginning of his life and ministry and leadership as the king of Israel. God says, ask me for whatever you want. And he asks for wisdom that he would be able to lead wisely and justly. And so we see that wisdom is not something we stumble into. It's something that we intentionally seek out. And you might remember if you were here, I shared kind of a somewhat humorous story um, of, of one of the dumbest things I'd ever done. And it was particularly dumb because I knew better. It was a financial mistake. I, I had been advising people as a financial advisor to purchase you know, mutual funds, diversify, spread out, think for the long term, don't try to get rich quick. And then I went and invested Uh, several thousand dollars in a company that no longer exists, and all that money was gone. And I was kind of feeling bad about that. And then I came across an article um, about a couple of people that are known as the Apple unbillionaires. Now, maybe you've heard of these, this group of people. There's number of people that are billionaires because they invested in Apple at the right time. And there are a couple of people that are known as unbillionaires because they sold Apple very early. And one of them is a man named Nolan Bushnell, who had a $50,000 stake in Apple very, very early on. And he didn't see this new technology going anywhere, wasn't confident in the leadership, sold that stake. And today they estimate that that same $50,000 investment at that time would have been worth over $145 billion. He would be one of the richest people in the world. So sometimes it's not an investment that we make that becomes the dumbest thing we ever do. Sometimes it's an investment that we sell, that we get out of. And that made me feel a little bit, uh, little bit better about my dumb mistake. It wasn't a $145 billion mistake, but I couldn't help it. And those of you that know, I, I like numbers a little bit, and I like to be a nerd a little bit sometimes. So I went and looked about the time that I made my $2,000 investment in INVC. If I'd have made that in Apple... At the same time, at 13 bucks a share, Apple's running 370 right now. So I would have had that $2,000 investment turn into about a $57,000 investment. So then I was sad again. But not to get hung up on all of that, um, we're transitioning a little bit from the foundational aspect of, of 
of wisdom and the supreme aspect of wisdom to some practical things. And that's our whole idea through this whole series is to take a somewhat humorous, maybe a little more lighthearted or whimsical uh, approach uh, to some very serious subjects. And today we're going to be talking about friends because your friends matter a great deal. And the book of Proverbs, if those, those of you that might have taken my challenge last week to begin reading a chapter a day in the book of Proverbs, you'll find that there are a lot of Proverbs that speak to the idea of the friends that you choose, the people that you surround yourself with, the relationships that you have close in your life really, really matter. So friends matter. And I want to start with a story uh, like we did last week, and this happens to be a story that's just a few chapters um, beyond where we were last week. If you want to turn to 1 Kings chapter 12, uh, just to bring you up to speed, Solomon started his reign so well, and we looked at that last week, uh, and then his heart was led astray, Scripture tells us, uh, predominantly by... Uh, his appetite for the lusts of the flesh. And we can kind of just leave it at that. He had hundreds of wives and concubines, many of them from foreign nations, which God would have prohibited. And they led his heart astray. And his, his latter years uh, as a leader, as a king, were nothing like his former years. And his, the appetites of the flesh really led him astray. Um, and so he had a lot of sons, obviously. The son that would have been in line to succeed him uh, was one named Rehoboam, and he was next in line to become the king over the combined kingdoms of Israel and Judah, um, all 12 tribes, and we're going to pick up the story at a very pivotal time in Rehoboam's early kingship, his early leadership of the nation of Israel. So you can just listen if you want to, you can follow along, we're not going to put it up on the screen necessarily, but we'll read this story and we'll let it kind of set the stage for us. So Rehoboam goes to Shechem, for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, he returned from Egypt. Now Jeroboam was an officer or a, a highly elevated uh, person in Solomon's court. Okay, So they're not related necessarily, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, they're just just to kind of help you understand who Jeroboam is. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now listen, now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. So they're basically saying, you know, Solomon put a pretty heavy yoke on us. He taxed us. He took a lot from us. Um, if you lessen that, we will serve you gratefully and gladly. We're basically, make, they're making a deal for their loyalty. Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. So he's off to a good start. He's, he's going to Solomon's advisors and he's saying, what would you do in this situation here? He's, he's, maybe he read Proverbs, where it says there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel, so he's off to a right start. And they replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But, but, Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him 
and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? Time out. He's basically said to the college faculty, I'm not going to do what you suggest. And he goes to the frat house and asks his buddies, hey, what would you do right now? That's kind of what's taking place here. There were elders, there were wise people that knew the people that had the heartbeat and the pulse of the nation. He asks them first. They advise him quite well in retrospect. We'll see where this goes. But he rejects that advice and he goes to his friends. He goes to his frat buddies, essentially, that he had grown up with. And the young men, in verse 10, who had grown up with him replied, you tell these people who have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. You tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Sounds like really good advice for leadership, doesn't it? Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam. As the king had said, come back to me in three days. And the king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given to him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, My father made your yoke heavy, I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. And we just sigh. and we say, Oh, how different things could have been if he had made a wiser decision. And this, I think, points out or elevates our key verse for today, which is Proverbs 13.20. Proverbs 13.20, it's on the screen behind me. It says, He who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. He who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And we see this, if you want to spend your afternoon reading some history, you can read on from here and see what takes place and how the once united kingdom of Israel and Judah and all 12, 12 tribes under one banner, they, they split apart, they fracture. Uh, there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. There's all kinds of, of tumultuous ups and downs in Israel's history from this time forward because of the decision that Rehoboam made. Who he chose to listen to mattered a great deal. In Proverbs 13.20, instructed him to walk with the wise, and instead he chose to be a companion of fools and suffered harm. Our friends really matter. They matter for better or worse. As this one verse tells us, for better, if we walk with the wise, we will become wise, or worse, if we are a companion of fools, we will suffer harm. And so this really touches every area of our lives, whether we're thinking about marriage or parenting or work or health or finances. If we surround ourselves with people who are wise in these various areas of life and can teach us and can stretch us and can help us grow wise, we will become wise in these areas of our lives. And if we surround ourselves with people who are foolish in these areas of life and we listen to them and we take their advice, we will suffer harm. And as we see in the case of Rehoboam, the people around us, the people that look to us for influence and for leadership will also suffer harm. So this really, really matters because we seldom get success completely or totally on our own. There are people that contribute to that success. 
and we seldom mess up our lives completely on our own. There are people around us that contribute to us messing up our lives. And so who we listen to and how much influence they have on our lives really, really matters. And if you're a young person in the room today, I would encourage you to take particular note of this lesson. This is why your parents should be or are paying special attention to your friends. They want you to have friends that will help you to rise and to elevate and to become wise. And you may need to choose friends that are a little older than you or a little further down the road than you. And they're very careful when they see you surrounding yourself with a group of people that would put you in the category of a companion of fools. And I think this is why church programs like Kids Way and LSM are so important. They're so important because they put positive influences into the lives of children, that those adult leaders in Kids Way and LSM play such a crucial role in surrounding and giving access to these young people, people who will make them wiser. And a, a, a social sphere where they can grow wiser and they can become wiser. And I was just so impressed. I, I went out Friday afternoon with the youth group uh, to Palisades. We had nine students and a couple of adult leaders uh, go out and have a, a camping trip out there since the summer camps had to be um, delayed for this year and we didn't get to have summer camp out uh, in Rapid City. And it was just amazing to see the connections that were being made between students and students and students and adult leaders and the investment that is made in those, uh, in those groups and in those, uh, those atmospheres is so, so important. And so uh, if you're a young person, pay special attention to this. Because our bottom line today, our bottom line is if you show me your friends, I can show you your future. Whether you're a teenager, whether you're a high school or college student or moving into the workplace as a young adult or in your middle ages of life or into your latter ages of life, what Proverbs 13.20 and what the story of Rehoboam illustrate for us very powerfully is that if you show me your friends, I can show you your future because you will become like the five closest relationships that you have. Sociologists have studied this. There's a fascinating link to whether or not you are growing and becoming wiser and the people you surround yourself with and whether or not you are becoming more and more foolish or suffering harm more and more because of the people you surround yourself with. If you show me your friends, I can show you your future. If Rehoboam had befriended the wise elders as they, and taken the advice that they give, gave him, his future would have been very different. But instead, he was a companion of fools and suffered harm. And we need friends, each and every one of us, who are not just like us. We need friends who are maybe a little older, a little further downstream, and we need to be a friend to people who are younger and who might be coming up behind us. We need to be mindful of that and intentional with that because who you choose to listen to matters. It matters to your personal life and your relationship with the Lord. It matters in your marriage and in your family, your career, your health, and your finances. And I would just take another step beyond this and move into the digital age that we find ourselves in today. Who you associate with and the media that you consume matters. And if the only thing you ever watch on TV is sitcoms with dysfunctional families, what impact is that having on your marriage and your family? 
And if the social media that you consume is all negative and bitter, it will cause you to become a negative and bitter person. And so we need to think outside of just our face-to-face relationships. We focus on those. Those have the biggest impact on us. But we can curate and we can cultivate healthy influences into our lives. There are good books to read. There are wholesome programs to watch. There are different ways that we can be entertained that will not have a negative impact on our lives and follow the vein of Proverbs 13.20 that we can walk with the wise and become wise and we can be a companion of fools and suffer harm. It's a choice for us. But assuming that we want to walk with the wise and become wise. I want to spend the rest of the time that we have uh, talking about three friendships you should make sure you have in your life. Three, Three friends that every person needs. And if you go down the list here today and you say, oh, well, my spouse does that, my spouse does that, my spouse does that, I think that's phenomenal. And I would encourage you to develop some relationships and some friendships outside of that marriage relationship that will also help you and support you in that. Men need men who can help them in these three areas. Women need women who can help them in these three areas. Or if you're very, very close to your spouse, perhaps you could look for a couple of other mentor couples that could help you in these areas uh, as a a spouse-to-spouse and couple-to-couple type of mentoring. And I think the best marriages do all three of these, but I would also really strongly encourage you to have these influences, these friendships in your, in your next sphere of friendship. The first is a friend who makes you better. A friend who makes you better. A friend who challenges you and encourages you to be better. As Proverbs thirteen twenty said, a, a, he who walks with the wise becomes wise. Is there a friend in your life that's always challenging you to be better? Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. It's a very familiar verse. If you've ever been in a men's ministry thing, you've heard this. I don't know if women's ministry uh, touches on it as often, but it says that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That the image of two swords may be sharpening each other and taking off the rough edges and creating a smooth, sharp blade is what comes to mind. As iron sharpens iron, so one man or one woman sharpens another. And this is really important because you should be able to answer the question, who sharpens you? Who, who, who believes in me? Who calls out the best in me? Who challenges me to learn and grow and to be better? This might take the form of coaching. And sometimes if you're in a work environment or maybe you're um, in a spiritual environment or some other environment where you might get paired up with a coach, somebody who's a little further downstream, and they can coach you in skill development. They can coach you in making wise decisions. They can coach you in communicating. As a pastor, I've had a number of coaches along the way, ministry coaches, who have asked me good questions, who have been there for me to ask questions, and they will have specific advice for how to improve in specific areas. They make me better. I know that they believe in me. I know that they want me to succeed. I know that they are there to challenge me and to encourage me to learn and to grow. And so a good question would be, who sharpens you? Who makes you better? Maybe this is a a parent or a grandparent or an uncle that has always just had that unique relationship with you. Or maybe it could be a coworker, somebody who's further downstream. Maybe it's somebody in the church. And another follow-up question would be, who do you make better? 
Who are you a coach to? Who can you share what you have learned and the skills that you have with someone else in order to bring them along? Do you look for that in your workplace? Somebody who's maybe new on the job that you can come alongside and try to help them learn the ropes and coach them and say, ah, you know, you may not want to do it quite that way or, or the boss is, you know, it doesn't like it when it's done this way. You can coach them and help them sidestep a couple of, of negative experiences and you can sharpen each other and push each other towards greater things. So we all need somebody who makes us better instead of somebody who makes us worse. And you have to watch out for these because these, these exist as well. People that will come along and look like a friend and yet they're always kind of bringing out the worst in you. Be very, very careful uh, of those relationships and create some boundaries so that their negative influence on you is limited, but yet maybe you can still have a positive influence on them. The second friend we need, we need a friend who helps us grow spiritually. You need a friend, wherever you are in your walk, who helps you grow spiritually. Who won't lead you into temptation, but will encourage you to take the next step in your faith. And Proverbs 12.26 really nails this idea, this concept. It says, the godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. We need godly people that give good advice to us and help us to grow spiritually instead of surrounding ourselves with wicked people who lead us astray. And this is particularly important in those pivotal times in middle school and high school and college, young adults, to surround ourselves with godly people who will give us good advice and who will not lead us astray. We need someone, you need someone whose life is centered on Christ and whose spirit is in tune with your spirit. We need this. We need these friendships in our lives. We are not meant to go it alone. We were all created for community. We were created as relational beings in the image of a relational God who loves us and who wants us to have relationships that will help us to grow spiritually. And, and we talk about disciple-making here at Linwood, and that the call of every Christian is to be a disciple of Christ, and the call of every disciple is to become a disciple-maker. And so this really fits here, that, that we would approach disciple-making relationships, which we define as building a relationship with someone to help them trust and follow Jesus. Building a relationship with someone to help them trust and follow Jesus. And so In the context of number two here, in the friendship that we need, we need someone who will help us grow spiritually. I would say about disciple-making, you either need to be a disciple-maker or find a disciple-maker and help let them help you to grow spiritually. Or if you've been discipled, if if you have something to offer to somebody else that you could meet with them, talk about Scripture together, talk about life together, pray for the lost together. That's usually the format of a discipleship group meeting. Those three things, talk about the word, talk about life, and talk about pray for the lost. If you can do that, you can be a disciple maker. And if you're not ready to do that yet, you can find a disciple maker and they will help you get comfortable with that so that you can step into the disciple making game because that's where it's at. Trust me. And there are people who have stepped into that, some timidly, some boldly. They have stepped into that. There are people who have been doing it for some time here. And I am awaiting the day when there are people coming up out of the waters of baptism that people in 
are in this church now, discipled someone who discipled someone who discipled someone, third and fourth generation disciples coming up out of the water, there is great joy and satisfaction in that moment, I can assure you. There are a few things that are more meaningful to me as a follower of Christ than watching somebody come up out of the waters of baptism that you had a hand in bringing to that point. That God worked in you and worked through you, whether it was one generation or two generations or three generations downstream, to see that happen. And that is the goal, that is the vision for the church, that we would be disciple makers making disciple makers. And this all comes back to spiritual friendships. Those are the best disciple making relationships or where there's a spiritual friendship. There's a deep spiritual camaraderie. You're fighting the same battles. You're fighting them together and you're learning and growing together. So we all need a friend who makes us better. We all need a friend who helps us grow spiritually. And thirdly, we all need a friend who will tell you the truth who will tell you the truth versus lying or sugarcoating or just being silent and neglecting the truth. And the reason that this is so important is that we all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. And the definition of a blind spot is something that you are blind to, but pretty much everybody else is aware of, right? So for me right now, to illustrate this simply, there are two beautiful orchids behind me. I cannot see them. You can all see them, but they're a blind spot for me right now. Now, you take that to the next level, and bad breath can be a great blind spot. You have no idea. Everybody else is aware of it. And there have been times when I have walked home into the door from a Sunday morning and given my wife a kiss on the cheek, and she goes, Oh, I hope you didn't talk to anybody today. (laughs) I had no idea. It was a blind spot, right? I had terrible breath all morning long and didn't have a clue. That's a next level. Now, there are third and fourth level blind spots. There are character issues that sometimes we're not aware of, that everybody around us is aware of. And we need a friend who will tell us the truth. In fact, Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 puts it this way, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Think about that for a minute. Better is broken rebuke than hidden love. And I love this next phrase, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So it's basically saying if you have a friend that loves you enough to tell you the hard truth, you can trust that. You can learn and grow from that. We all need a friend who will tell us the truth. But there are enemies in your lives that will multiply kisses, that will tell you everything you want to hear and never the hard truth. And they will not help you get better. They will not help you grow spiritually. We have to have friends who will tell us the truth. And so the question would be, when was the last time you had a friend who loved you enough to tell you a hard truth? We talked last week about David and his sin with Bathsheba, or maybe it was two weeks ago, um, and how Nathan came, the prophet Nathan came, and confronted David with the hard truth, the reality of his life and the impact that it was having And he needed a friend who would tell him the hard truth. Each and every one of us do. And these these friendships probably take the longest to develop because there's so much trust involved on both sides. And so you might be saying, I don't have a friend who will tell me the hard truth. And if that's the case, I might encourage you to reach out to somebody who might be in spiritual authority and say, I just need to spend some time sharing some things about my life. And you have the invitation to speak 
any truth that you feel I need to hear. Or you can hire one as a Christian counselor. I recognized a time in my life where I didn't have a lot of these types of friendships, and I had a lot going on, and I had some struggles, some, some things. I kept hitting the same walls, and I was tired of that. And I started seeing a Christian counselor and invited that Christian counselor to speak the hard truth. And that relationship continues today, and Julie knows she can call me on my stuff, and she can say, well, that sounds like a pretty prideful response to that situation you just laid out, or you're not getting judgmental now, are you, Mark? And she's very good at speaking the hard truth. And I have other friendships that I have said, I need some accountability. I need you to speak into my life. What do you see um, that needs to change? And this is another one where uh, there's a flip side of this question. Are you close enough to anyone to speak a hard truth into their life? Have you developed your relationship to that point that you could approach them in humility and say, I think there may be a blind spot in your life, in your character, that you're not aware of. And I would encourage you to consider this and then share that hard truth. Um, Here, from an organizational standpoint, the local board of administration has the, the invitation to speak a hard truth. If they see something developing in my leadership... And we'll ask this question oftentimes, and we go through an annual review process, and, and even if they're nervous about it, they can speak to the, the district superintendent who's been here several times. They can say, we see this coming up. We don't, we, we don't want it to continue. We'd love to nip it in the bud. And they can go through that process so that there's some accountability. And there's, if negative things start to grow, they don't have to grow in the dark. They can be brought into the light and be addressed. And we, each and every one of us, need people who will tell us the hard truth in our lives. And ideally, we have multiple friends in all of these areas. Ideally, we have a rich relational network of several people who are helping us to get better, several people who are helping us to grow spiritually, and several people who can speak a hard truth to us. And maybe we have a friend in each category that they sort of make a career out of that one, and that's their role in our lives. Or maybe they're a specialist. And I was thinking about this, and I was relating it back to about 15 years ago, a little over 15 years ago, I was working in an industrial warehouse setting and all that went with it. And my five closest friends were in that setting. And so I had a certain vocabulary that matched that setting. I thought certain things were funny, watched certain movies, talked about certain things, um, had certain quality of relationships that matched that setting. And it wasn't very good. It wasn't good for me personally. It wasn't good for my marriage at all. And it wasn't good for my spiritual growth and the trajectory that I was on. And fortunately, around 2003, God introduced me to a new set of friends, And this new set of friends uh, were at the church that Heather and I had began to attend and had gotten more frequent in our attendance. And I was invited to a men's Bible study um, that the senior pastor and a couple of other associate pastors at that large church and then several other individuals from the marketplace or from church leadership boards were there. And so there were eight or nine people around the table. And we would study the books of the Bible together or we would study uh, Christian nonfiction leadership, those types of things together. And as my relational network shifted from an industrial warehouse setting to a church leadership men's Bible study, all kinds of things in my life began to change. My vocabulary changed. The things that I was most interested began to change. Some of my weekend activities began to change, all because I was now 
in a different sphere. I had started out as a companion of fools and was suffering harm, (laughs) and God, by his grace, helped me to create a new relational network and became one who walked with the wise and became wiser. And that set me on a trajectory to build some intentionality into the relationships that I cultivate. And God has helped me to exercise those muscles as we've moved. We left Casper, we went to West Virginia, and I knew I needed certain types of friends in my life, both from within my congregation and outside of my congregation. Then we moved to Indiana, and I knew I needed some friendships to develop, to cultivate, both within my congregation and outside of my congregation, and then here. And I've been blessed in each of those settings with a little intentionality and a little prayer and eyes open to develop those relationships. And so I would encourage you to be intentional, to do a little relational inventory, perhaps, this afternoon. Get out a journal and say, okay, God, Pastor Mark shared about three types of friends. They were this, this, and this. Am I weak in any of these areas? And then pray and ask God to bring a relationship to fruition. Maybe somebody will come to mind and you can reach out. Maybe you need to pray for some time. Or maybe this will just happen sort of naturally or organically in the days or weeks ahead. Because our bottom line is still true. If you will show me your friends, I can show you your future. If you look at your four or five closest relationships and ask, do I want to be more like those people in three years or five years? And if the answer is no, then address that. If the answer is yes, that's wonderful. And now it's time to turn and look. Who can I be a friend to in one of these three areas? Who can I come alongside to make better? Who can I help grow spiritually? Who do I have the unique role of being able to speak truth? Maybe it's a nephew. Maybe it's a cousin. Maybe it's something else. And so as we leave, uh, prepare to to transition out of this time of looking into God's word, I do want to challenge you to evaluate the quality of your relationships and your friendships. And to ask yourself, do you consistently make good decisions? Or have you had a Rehoboam type of a moment in your life recently where you realize I took bad advice, I made a terrible decision, and I'm suffering the consequences for that. Do you need a coach? Do you need a spiritual mentor? Do you need a counselor? Someone who will tell you the truth? Or can you be a coach to somebody? Can you be a spiritual mentor or a disciple maker in somebody else's life? And do you, do you have that role of speaking truth to somebody else? As we close, what is God showing you today? What is God showing you that can be or should be different tomorrow because you came to church today or because you watched this service online? What could be or should be different tomorrow because you were here in this moment today? And a final question. Does Jesus call you friend? And do you call him friend? Are you a friend of Jesus today? Is he one who you look at and say, that is my friend? And does he look at you and say, that's my friend? We're growing together. He's, he's getting better because he's with me. She's growing spiritually because she has a relationship with me. And allowing his word to speak a hard truth into your life. You see, God is crazy about you. Every single one of you. And every single one of you, God is crazy about you. And one of the wisest things that you can do 
starts to become crazy about him. You become a friend of Jesus. So if, if you're hearing this and you're like, I'm not sure. Or that friendship has suffered some neglect. Or I didn't know God was crazy about me. Then today can be a day where you can set yourself on a new trajectory, set yourself on a new path. So uh, all people everywhere, if you would bow your heads and, and pray as we close this service, uh, my prayer as always is that we would respond in faith. So Lord Jesus, we lift this moment up to you. We lift this idea up to you that friends matter and that our friendships really matter. And so Lord, I pray for each and every person in the sound of my voice right now, that they would know that you love them, that you're crazy about them, that you care for them, and that you would bless them with relationships that help them to get better and help them to grow spiritually and help them by revealing their blind spots and helping them to see the hard truths. And Lord, if we can be such a friend to someone else, Would you lay that person upon our heart right now? Would you help us to develop these relationships that pull us forward and also give us the opportunity to reach a hand back and encourage someone and strengthen someone and help bring someone else along? And Lord, if there is anyone here today who who walked into this room or who is watching online that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, doesn't know you as friend, May your spirit merge with their spirit even now. Would they confess their need of a Savior and call out to you for help, call out to you for salvation, knowing that that you are eager to meet them in that moment. And if anybody is, is making that decision, I pray that they will share it with somebody very, very soon so that we can come alongside, that we can help, that we can help bring a disciple or into their life, help bring a, a new set of friends into their life. Whoever we are, wherever we are, may we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love us, that you're crazy for us. And may we return that love to you. In Jesus' name we pray.